on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We preview OU Kansas with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. We also preview some of the other great games in week seven of college football and give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, October 12th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, visit Riverwind.com. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. It's fun. Come on now. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com. How are we doing, Ted? Doing good. Doing good. Midweek Phil right now is cautiously optimistic about the football game this weekend. That's... That's one way to put it. <laughs> I yeah, a good football team's coming to Norman. Right, the more yep. I watch them this week, a good football team is coming to Norman. And so the last couple of weeks, uh, I would say, have been. I don't want to say we've been negative. We've just been very honest, right? I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And there, there seems to be. Um, and, and the group seems small, but basically we've had some people reach out and be like, Hey, could you, could you say anything positive, you know, that'll make us feel better. And I looked at it and I, I almost was like, really 49 to nothing against Texas. And you want us to be positive and tell people to be patient. Like, it's like, I, this is Oklahoma, man. It's not Vanderbilt, but, but I will say this, and it's important to say this. We believe in Brent Venables. We believe in his vision for the program. We believe in the way that he's going about it. We just are not a fan of what the results have looked like these last couple of weeks. I mean, that's, that's a fair way to put it. You can believe in the program and believe in the processes that they have in place, but also say, hey, got to play better. I, I think that's, that's all fair. It, it just... 
the level of play on the field the last couple of weeks, especially just, it hasn't been up to the standard. And clearly the coaches and players know that the fans know that everyone can see it, but we do believe in this staff and, and what they're doing. They just, they got to get these guys to play better, man. That bottom line. Yeah, no, they do. Um, and yeah, you know, I think that th- there's a lot of talk about the roster and, you know, the talent is down. I, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even necessarily agree with that. I, I, I know we don't have the, the greatest roster we've ever had at Oklahoma, but we still have, there's still a bunch of good players on this football team. It's not like we've got a bunch of bums out there. We've got guys that are capable of playing way better than what they have so far. Like to me, and you know this this is maybe a uh i don't know blind spots maybe not the right way to put it but i i always say like it doesn't take any talent to play the call right to to, to be where you're supposed to be to take care of the responsibility you're supposed to take care of now i if you're getting bullied and you just physically are unable to compete well that's a different story but I don't see a whole lot of that. I see a whole lot of mental mistakes, right? There's some stuff where you could say, boy, I, I wish we were bigger, faster, stronger here. Wish we were a little more athletic. But that's not the overwhelming problem. The overwhelming problem is mistakes. That is not a talent issue on the roster, in my opinion. You, you look at 24-7 sports tracks all that stuff, right? They, they do like overall talent composites of a roster. OU's a top 10 roster in college football. Right. E- even with all the transfers. And I also, I don't want to hear that either. Like, well, we have all these transfers. We have all these guys that are, you know, playing for OU for the first time. Listen, man, you got to, you got to figure out how to put the pieces together. That's, that's part of college football now. Right. We we're seeing teams across the country that are playing a lot of transfers that are playing good football. That's that's on the coaches, it's on the players to figure it out, to make it all come together. So that's where I you and I, we were we were raised by the same football father in Bob Stoops. And, and the guy, he he literally wrote a book called No Excuses. <laughs> so we are not big excuse guys and I, I just feel like you know blaming Lincoln Riley blaming uh the a lack of talent on the roster like they, they just feel like excuses to me so that's why we don't come on here and say and really emphasize those things you know what I mean because I I really don't believe that I just I don't right and I guess maybe something that's a little bit different for me also is like I don't really care about the blame game. Right. Like, I, I don't really care about like why it is how it is. Like that doesn't really interest me at all. The only thing that interests me is like fixing it, getting better, isolating what's what's happening out there and trying to eliminate the problem. Uh, I'm with you. Now I will say. Oklahoma has had a historically good run at quarterback. 
right? And has that covered up some issues throughout the roster, throughout the program? Yeah, sure, right? Baker, Kyler, uh, Hertz, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler when he was good. Like, yeah, that can cover up a lot. But does saying that really, does that make me feel better about how these last couple weeks have gone? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Right. Those guys ain't playing defense, man. Like, that's where I look at it, and there's probably some validity to saying, hey, quarterback has been has been something that has covered up some issues, but I, I still, I just don't think that's very productive to bring that up. Like, this team, they've got the coaches they've got. They've got the players that they've got. And it's up to them to get the most out of that. Right. And and that's coaching. And that's also, you know, being accountable as a player, being ready to play, getting better throughout the season. So, I mean, we can, if people want us to come up with a bunch of excuses, I just, you're listening to the wrong podcast. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Like, right. I, but do you have anything else? Like, cause I do want people to remain positive and keep supporting the program and this team and Venables and these players. Like that's exact. That's what I want. And God, they need the fans now more than ever. And like, if you are an OU fan and you're going, Oh, do I really want to make the trip to Norman for the 11 a.m. kick? It's Kansas. Like, please, I'm begging you, please make the trip. This team needs you now more than ever. Like they're at the low point. The fans, like, they got to dig themselves out of this some way, and the fans can be a big part of that. Like, they need the support. They need the energy from the crowd. They got to have you guys. I mean, no, they have no to doubt. have you. I totally agree. I mean, that, that would do the soul some, some good to come home. And, you know, and I, I understand, like, the, the K-State game and then going down on the road to TCU, like, it, it was a good thing that we played a neutral site game after TCU, right? Um, and then, obviously, what happened at, at Texas. So I feel like a lot of the initial hate and anger has been released. Like now, this team, like we know where we are. Like we're we're in acceptance mode at this point, I think, and. <laughs> it's time to like kind of rally behind these guys. Um, Cause I, I assure you they're putting in a ton of hard work up there and yeah, for, like to make the fans feel better. I, I totally believe in this process and I, there are no corners being cut. I, do I think that, you know, there's, there's a way that they could possibly piece together a defense that would maybe allow them to be a little bit better now, like as a patchwork, simplify some things and like, yeah, there's probably a way to do that, but that's not going to make you better long-term. What makes you better long-term is doing what you do, getting good at it, being able to play that against anything and like like that you have to build that foundation and do it the right way and that's how we're doing it and i go back to something that 
Coach Vittable said, and I can't remember if it was at his opening press conference. It was very early on. He said, I do not want a good team. I want a good program. And that's kind of what I'm reminded of. Like all the things that are going on right now are like, this is the hard part, right? Strip it away. All of the, all of the things maybe that you relied on before. And, and like, we're going down to the, to the bare bones here and we're going to build it back from there. And I think that's what's going on now. And I, like you, like you said, I believe in Brent Venables and I believe in the, the vision for the program. hundred percent. I I'm all about having the great program. I'd like a good team as well, though. <laughs> well, you know, well, I think we could still get there this year. Uh, we may not have a good record, but we can have a good team. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so you had the coach's show with, with Venables on Monday night. Ted, anything that he said that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's there's, there's a few things. Um, you know, one of them was uh, he made it clear. I, if, if anyone's having any hesitation about being on board, I, he said, I'll help you out. You don't have to go to practice anymore. You could be done. I'll I'll do whatever I got to do. Uh, I'll make calls for you. I will uh, I'll give you recommendations. Whatever I've got to do. But you know, I, it's everyone on board or not. Right. And that's that's players. That's coaches. That's everyone. We're moving forward. And I the. The guy, like, it, 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 he didn't say that there's been any of it, but he said he's not naive. He understands that whenever things go bad, people start talking and, you know, everyone wants to start complaining about, well, you know, we're not winning. So why are we doing this? And all these, all these different little things. And he's, he's basically saying like, that's how we're going to do it. And if you have a problem with it, just come tell me it's okay. You just come tell me. You could be done. No more practice. You don't have to be a part of it. I'll do whatever I can to, uh, to help you out. So I, and I love that. I, I, I love it. And you know, there's, there's, we know this, whenever things go bad, there's going to be some of that. There's going to be some people that start to question everything, question the call, question the motives, question, you know, playing time and, you know, he's, he's staying out in front of that and saying, okay, if there's any of that, sure, let's go come talk to me and we'll, we'll clear it up. Yeah. 
Uh, I would say he's addressing that proactively. Right. right. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the guy believes in the process that he's put in place. So I, you know, if, if you believe in something, right, you're going to, you're going to back it up. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear that from BV at all. Okay. Let's talk about this game, man. And we'll start with the defense. We'll start, we'll start with your, uh, man, I'm interested to hear what you got to say. Well, what are you yeah. watching for, right? What challenges does Kansas's offense present for OU's defense? All of them. They present all of the challenges. You're going to have uh, what we've struggled with, and that's a, a running quarterback. And, you know, I don't think Daniels is playing. I think that's pretty clear that he's not going to play in this game. Whether or not he returns this season, I guess, is a little less clear. Uh, but, yeah, that was, that was an interesting little back and forth on Twitter. Uh, like, oh, really? That's news to me. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. So, um, but Jason Bean, <clears throat> who I expect us to get, is he's, he's an excellent runner. Uh, he is incredibly fast. Maybe not as shifty as Daniels, but straight line speed is an absolute burner. He's a playmaker. He can make throws on the run. He's a good, solid quarterback. We got to see him last year. Um, this is this is triple option. This is modern triple option football is what it is. And they are really good, really efficient at it. Everything in their offense is built around the run. And, you know, that's something that we've really struggled with. If, if you cannot eliminate the run against this team, it is going to be a long, long day. And they're going to give it to you a bunch of different ways. Like, to me, like the, the run, the actual running plays are not my concern. My concern is the movement before the snap that they give you that you have to adjust to. They are going to, they're going to hit you like just kind of how the triple option is, uh, has always been intended, right? They're going to stress you right up the middle and then they're going to stress you horizontally. And Kansas does that and they start it pre-snap with motioning guys across the football arc motions and they're, they're doing it with speed and efficiency and, you know, everything that they have has like the bubble built off of it. That is, is essentially your pitch man. And it's, it's smooth. It's fast. It's efficient. They've got great play action built off of it. Their offensive line has just really come a long, long way. And, you know, they, they, they do a good job of, of highlighting some of their, their skill players and using them in creative ways. It's a, it's a unique and and really impressive offense. It is. It's fun to watch. It's different yeah, because it they have all of that stuff, and then they'll just fling it downfield in the passing game, and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. And they've got uh, – I mean, Luke Grimm, the guy in the slot, has been really good for them. But then, what, Skinner and Arnold – Big-bodied guys, like long, athletic guys at wide receiver for the Jayhawks, and they've had so much success running it that a lot of that like power pass stuff that they do in the throw game has been – I mean, it's been really, really good. (laughs) 
And Jason Bead is coming off a game where he comes in in that TCU game when Daniels goes down. Yeah, I don't know, just a couple of the nicest throws I've ever seen yeah, from a quarterback. So really impressive. He's got and, great touch, got a good strong arm. And he's started a bunch of games. I mean, he's an experienced guy. He's a senior, right? He is and he almost beat OU last year. He is not going to come into Norman, you know, wide-eyed. He's going to be confident. And it's up to it's up to Oklahoma to slow down that running game. Uh, Devin Neal, I think, is a really, really solid back. And this is the reality of it. OU has been not bad, not awful, but what I would like to call atrocious against the run in conference play, giving up 310 yards a game rushing in the three conference games. That's 100 yards worse than ninth. Mm. That's 205 yards worse than first. Mm. Kansas is the number one rushing defense in conference games only, giving up 105 yards a game. So to say that Kansas is going to come in here and think they can run the rock, even with their backup quarterback, they probably feel even better about running the ball because Bean can absolutely fly and stretch it even more horizontally, like you're saying, Ted. I, yeah. I think that's the key to the game. Like, you gotta, you got to slow down the run game. Like, you absolutely have to. If you don't, Kansas will go up and down the field on this defense. Yeah, this is, this is one of those games where I – just because of where we are uh, defensively, I, we're not going to stop everything. So you better stop the run first, you know, and and put it on his arm, which, as we said, he is still a capable thrower. So it's not like it's not like you've got a bad quarterback sitting back there in the pocket, but we have to be able to stop the run on early downs. I've said this, you know, all season and, you know, we, we all have, but we have to be so much better on first and second down. I Kansas is going to be super aggressive. They're going to go forward on a bunch of fourth downs. And I, if, if they're in third and four or less all day long, it's going to be miserable for us. You have to get stops on early downs and, you know, I'm anxious to see how they do it. Like, I don't know if this is going to be a four-man front game. It wouldn't shock me if it was, um, you know, because Venables is going to be multiple what he does. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if we saw some four-man front out there. But uh, whatever it is, the run fits have to be dialed in. <laughs> if if they come out in the four-man front and play well, this fan base is going to melt down. You know they are like even though the way that BV and that that defensive staff do it, they look at what the other team does, and they decide okay what front gives us the best chance to win the game. Like that's it's that simple. Like what are we going to major in that gives us the best chance to win the game against what they do offensively? And we've seen the last three weeks when it has gone very very poorly. Right? They have they've done a lot of the three man's three-man front stuff like even Kansas State where it was technically four guys it was still like that odd structure yeah if they come down and come out in a four-man even front and play really really well 
I, I hope that happens. Like I'm hoping that happens, but the fans are going to be like, why, why haven't we done that the entire time? You know, exactly how that's going to go. If they come out and play that way and play well. Yeah. What if they come out and play that way? and Don't play well. You know, oh, no. don't say that. <laughs> I, I, I can't take another, I can't take another horrific defensive performance. I can't get on here on Sunday and look at the look on your face again. Like I, it hurts me that you're in so much pain. I I don't care what they do. I just want them to be sound. Um, yeah. You know, and I know there's a ton of talk about the three man front and the four man front. And I, I put it this way. Um, I'm, I'm obviously biased. I played uh, in a four man front pretty much my whole life. And like, that's, that's what I prefer. I, I like what I see. I, I mean, it, it all is, I mean, it's very even and balanced. And to me, it just, it suits the eye so much better. But I, if I was, like, if I was to be pressed on it, I would say that in college football, given the offenses that most people run, I think the best way to defend it is a three-man front. But it's more complicated. It's it requires more specialized players, and you know it. I think it is a, it's just much more complicated machine. But it gives you a, a better ability to defend a wider range of things that people attack you with in the in the modern era. And I I think ultimately what you have to do to be the best defense, to be a truly elite defense is you have to be able to do both at a very high level. And that is what Venables is implementing. And that's what he's shooting for. And it will take some time for them to get there. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, anything else, the, anything else when it comes to OU's defense versus Kansas's offense? Just don't, don't get, well, I get, I was going to say, don't get enamored with all the motion stuff, but I, you have to be able to, to adjust to it. Like, that's the thing is, is being able to adjust because, uh, you know, I, on, when, when you're watching a game on television or you're there and you see a guy motion across the formation, it's, it's this thing that we're just used to. We just see it. Right. And it happens and all right, no big deal. They got a guy in motion. Well, it is a big deal for the defense. It changes the entire structure whenever a guy goes from one side of the formation to the other. It can change all of everyone's drops. It can change all of the run fits. So you have to be tuned in and anticipate the motion. You have to know what's coming and be able to adjust to it on the fly. That's, that's going to be the most critical aspect. And one thing that they do, which is, I mean, it's not uncommon, but We've seen this defense have enough issues with just a guy going from one side to the other. They motion a guy into the backfield and what I call that they'll motion him and he'll go the opposite way, or he'll do what I call yo-yo motion. Mm -hmm. He'll go be in the backfield. He'll come back where he came from. Yep. So you have to, especially the safeties, right? And I do not think, I don't think Billy Bowman's close to being back really. So we're going to have to have some guys like, the guys that have been out there are going to be out there, man. Like they got to play better bottom line, but those guys have to communicate what happens if he goes 
across the field, what happens if he comes back? Because all the responsibilities change depending on that. So yep. it, it's not easy. Uh, one other thing, the defensive ends, they are going to be unblocked quite a bit in this football game. They're going to be influence blocked. Do not freeze. Know what you're supposed to do in those situations, edge players. Know what your responsibility is. It is a weird sensation going forward and having no one touching you as a defensive lineman. But do not panic. Know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and and that's really a dangerous element for us because I've complained all year long about our guys flying up the field whenever they're unblocked. Correct. And uh, you, you're that's that's a, a good thing to point out because, yeah, you know, especially with with you know Jalen Daniels when he's in there, but even Jason Bean, you better stay flat on the line of scrimmage and you better stay square because if you start flying up the field or if you start turning your shoulders and chasing. You are in a world of pain. Yeah. All right. OU's offense against Kansas's defense. Some things to watch for. Now, first and foremost, Ted, you're a four-down guy. May I interest you in Kansas's defense? <laughs> I mean, you're talking old school, four-three cover four, man. I mean, they play some cover one, some cover three, but this is a four-three cover four. Play it pretty simple, not a ton of pressure. Like they just line up and play and they play hard and they play with great effort, which is interesting, you know, kind of talking about the Venables still about like, he's, he could, he could change some things up and, and perhaps make, make things a little bit easier or whatever. But like, if, if you remember back and I'm trying to remember when they said this and it may have been before our game, but remember they were talking about, they're just going to stay, they're just going to do what they do and they're going to stay in it. They aren't going to veer away from that at all, and it was rough, but here they are a year later, and guess what? They're playing good, solid defense, and with not like they're not nearly as talented on defense as they are on offense, but they're sound. OU fans, we have hope for next year. We can make the improvement we've seen in Kansas. We could be Kansas. <laughs> oh, gosh, don't say that. Uh, okay, so – and I, I, I think this is really, really important. You got to start fast offensively, man. You got to go score on your first drive. You got to take the ball and go score. I mean, you need some positivity. And, I mean, this team desperately needs it. This fan base desperately needs it. They have not led in a football game since Nebraska. They may not even remember what it feels like to be in the lead. It's got to change, man. And and you got to get you got to get some momentum going in the stadium. That's the sideline, that's in the stands, like start fast. None of this three and out, four and out bullshit to start the game. You yep. got to go. Has to happen, Ted. Absolutely has to happen. No doubt. That that would that would go a long way, I think, you know, for everyone's confidence in the game, offensively, defensively the fan base for sure to get off to a good quick start. Like you don't have to do anything special, just, you know, and I'm, I'm actually encouraged by our running game. I think we should be able to run the ball really well. Yeah. And 
You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. It's a cover four team, right? So, Ted, when an offense looks up and they see two safeties deep, whether that's cover two or cover four, what must they do? You got to make them pay. You got to run the football. Get them out of it. You got to run the football and make them get out of the cover four stuff. And the GT counter stuff has been good. Uh, the Wildcat stuff, I would expect some of that to carry over. There was some really good stuff from the Texas game. And then this is just the truth. Like as an offensive lineman, I always preferred blocking a four man front. Now it had a lot to do with me being a center and me being uncovered. And I could really come off the football, but one thing a four man front does, I've always believed is that it creates better angles in the zone running game. It just does naturally. Uh, you, you can come off the football, uh, the combinations and where you're heading to the backers, it's just clear. It's a clearer picture. So you have to run the ball. I, I expect to see a mix of all of that from Jeff Levy, but I, I do not think the interior of their defensive line is, is that stout. It's certainly nowhere close to what Texas was. But, man, you got to get some movement at the line of scrimmage. I know they're better. It's still Kansas, man. Mm -hmm. It's still Kansas. I mean, they're undersized at the line of scrimmage. You have to beat them up. Like you have to match the physicality, match the effort, and and move some guys, man. I mean, that bottom line, that's what you got to do if you're Oklahoma's offense. No, I totally agree. Let me ask you this. Um, how much how much of the Wildcat stuff from Texas do you think we see, whether it's Brayden Willis or the direct snap to the running backs? I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know, to put a snap number on it, but I really liked some of the Eric Gray stuff. I mean, there are some gaping holes in that. And, and I know that now Kansas has seen it, right? They may not give you as light of a box and some of that stuff as Texas did, but make them prove you they can stop it, right? I mean, you're getting plus one in the running game with that stuff. Make them prove you can stop it. And if they do, okay, you get back to some more of your traditional run game. But I, I don't know, five snaps of it? I mean, that's a lot when you think about, wow, they're going to go five Wildcat snaps. Now, I know that they majored in it last game, so maybe it doesn't seem like that that many. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? How, how much... I would like to see some of it down kind of in the red area as well, like red zone, nice little change up and you can do it without subbing, which is nice. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I think um, even some out of the, the brain Willis package hitting it with some of the perimeter stuff with Farouk. I just think that it's, I think it's, it's an easy package to build on. Yeah. And you know, for a defense, it it's it creates a ton of problems and it's not as easy as just you, you don't line up to that the exact same way that you line up to a traditional um offense just because you know without a doubt you're getting the extra blocker so you're 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 already you're going to be down in the numbers so you have to play some things differently just you know uh, you don't have to do a whole bunch of it but if you're just just to show that you're going to continue to do it like it, it puts the rest of the teams that you're going to play in the future on notice and they have to have to come develop some type of plan for it and devote practice time to it. And for you, it's just, it's super easy to, in, to install. 
Yeah. And now that you've put, you know, a couple of those plays that you ran multiple times on tape, maybe you build some stuff off of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe you build some wrinkles where you're pushing it down the field and the throw game off some of that stuff. I, I don't know which one of these guys can throw it, but we'll see. I, I don't know if we'll see any of that, but you can build stuff and, and kind of break some tendencies. They only have one game of looking at it. So when you line up in it, you know, the alarm bells are going to be going off and they're going to say, Hey, it's either this or that. Well, if you don't run this or that, then you, you may, you may find yourself with a big play. Uh, okay. I, you got to get Marvin Mims to football. And the guy, he's talented. He's playing fast. He's playing well. I don't care how you do it. After what he had to go through in the Texas game, get the man the ball. Yep. And, and it's not just because he's a dynamic wide receiver. I just think that you, we, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, guys that do everything the right way and rewarding those guys. Like you have to reward Marvin Mims. And I, I know that Lebby wants to get him the ball. Right. He's got to go to that feed the stud area, that play sheet, and he's got to go to it a little more than he has been. You got to get this guy some targets, man. You just, you have to. Well, I mean, that's, and that's something that we really haven't even touched on yet, but having Dylan Gabriel back in the football game is going to be a good thing for Marvin Mims. Um, just absolutely had no doubt. Understatement of the century. (laughs) Right. Uh, so yeah, I do expect that. Um, I think that, you know, if, if we can build the run really good and have some success there, which I think we will, I think ultimately we're going to be able to open some things up and I totally agree, have to find a way to get him involved in the offense. Like, however that is easy throws, deep balls, like he needs to become a part of what's going on a little bit more. And I know that obviously they know that, and they want that to be the, the the fact as well it's just been difficult uh impossible without Dylan Gabriel at the helm yeah so obviously yeah having DG back is going to be very very important and hopefully little time off allowed him a nice reset and we don't see some of the inaccurate throws we saw leading up right to to his injury so you know we'll see but a couple other things in, and this popped into my head because of some of the stuff that Sark did against, uh, against us last week. Um, they, they picked on a corner because they didn't think he could tackle. Okay. I think we should do the same with Kobe Bryant. Number two. Now the guy can cover he's long. He's athletic. It's got an awesome nickname, the Jayhawk Mamba. That's awesome. <laughs> but, Ted, when I see a corner like that, let's see if he wants to tackle. Let's get him in the run fit, whether that's formationally, some crack replace stuff. Like, let's make him tackle one-on-one in space. This is a guy that wants to cover. He wants to be the guy that uh, he's got all kinds of different variations of the incomplete signal. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's got his go-tos. But he wants to cover. Does he want to tackle? So let's get him in some situations. Let's see if number two wants to tackle a little bit. See if he wants to get get down in the mud. Yeah, I like that. You know, it's 
it's one of the easiest ways to try and generate some offense is to force the corners into the run fit and either force them into like having to tackle, like you said, in space or having to fit up on a offensive lineman who's coming up to the next level. Right. And that is, that is not the style of football game that most corners want to play. And you can, uh, you can open up some big things that way. And typically what you see is what you get early on. Like if you, if you have like a different style of running play or a new blocking scheme on the inside, the typically the linebackers and safeties are, they're going to start to play it differently. They'll start to, you know, be more physical on the blockers and they'll figure it out. Corners, what you see is what you get. How they play it the first time is how they're going to play it the second, 10th, 25th time. It's going to be the exact same. And a lot of time it's backpedaling. Yeah. So let's see if number two wants to tackle uh, another important thing. Anton Harrison, Wanya Morris, uh, I know they're both playing banged up. Got to play well. Lonnie Phelps, 47, uh, and Malcolm Lee, 99 for Kansas. Man, those are two active guys off the edge. And they play hard and physical. They got good get-offs. And we talked a little bit about last week. Now, there was no passing game to speak of last week, but with Dylan Gabriel back, the interior of OU's offensive line, they have to be solid, right? They have to keep good integrity when it comes to the depth of the pocket because Phelps and Lee are going to be flying up the field trying to trying to run the hoop. And that pocket, it has to be, the depth has to be good so that Dylan Gabriel can step up a little bit and be comfortable. And we haven't seen him do a ton of that this year, but with the way these guys rush, with their get-offs, like he's going to have to do some of that in this game. So... Yeah, I, I think that the way that Anton and Wanya, not only in the run game, but especially in pass protection, with how 47 and 99 come flying off the football, they have to play well, man, or DG's going to get sacked a couple times. Like, these guys are – they you, you can see it on tape, man. They they can rush the passer a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, aggressive in their front, and they have some production there. I'm not sure how good they are against the run on the edge, but they definitely get off the ball and could get around the corner pretty well. What is it? Um, is it Phelps that's got six sacks? Yeah. 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 It's kind of the shorter, stockier, um, loves the rip move, win, can win with speed, can win with power. Lee's a good looking to like six, five. He looks apart. So, yeah. I, I mean, you're going to have to win those battles on the edge. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wish that we could attack them in, in, in like some screens and, and different things whenever you have DNs that are, that are flying off the, the rock like that. But we have not shown that we can complete the little uh, running back screen off the edge yet. We've run it like six times, and it's been batted down every single time. So maybe here's, to hoping, here's to hoping Saturday's the day, man. Uh, one last thing. And you talk about this a lot with OU's linebackers. KU's linebackers get just an absurd amount of depth in their zone drops. I mean, just, I mean, guys flying back there, getting into their zones. So I do think there are going to be some opportunities, especially in the middle of the field, with that like five to eight yard range, right? Guys catching the ball there. And if you can make a guy or two miss, right, you can have some big plays, but 
whether it's Brayden Willis, running backs coming out of the backfield, there is there's a large void right there underneath because my goodness, they just fly back in zone coverage. Yeah. Well, um, that could be a good thing defensively. It can be a bad thing if you're if you're getting too far away from like you got check downs and other things underneath. And you know, we've seen Eric Gray has been pretty good in some of the check down game where, you know, he can catch it, turn, get upfield, make a guy miss and and go get a first down. So yeah, that but that's something to watch for for uh Dylan Gabriel. You know, I, I think there's been times where he's locked onto a guy and he's going there with the football no matter what. And some of those backers coming underneath on some of those deep digs and stuff can be dangerous. Yeah. All right, let's get to call your shot. And uh, we asked you guys your your boldest prediction for OUKU. I love this first one. It comes from Wild Bill. He says, best weather of the year so far. Yes. <laughs> yes. Weather's supposed to be amazing. It's Ted. We're to the point in the year where it's like probably need a hoodie in the morning, but it's going to warm yeah. up. It, uh, I love it. It feels like falls here, man. That I, wild bill. Thanks for bringing some positivity. That a boy. That's good. You know, you, you typically only get one sweet spot game a year, you know, um, after that it's, you know, it's always too hot before that. Then it's perfect, and then after that, it's going to be too cold. So enjoy it. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. And then I think these other two are hilarious. This one comes from Tim Flynn. All he said was, expecting more pain. <laughs> I I would tell you to be positive, Tim, but, like, I kind of – I get it, man. I get it. And this other one comes from Spencer Steele. He said <laughs> – I put money on Kansas at seven and a half, effectively reversing our curse. Good guys win. Boomer. I, I, we, we have, we officially have people emotionally hedging on the Sooners. It's, I, I like that. Uh, it, I mean, it's a, it's a financial sacrifice for the win for uh, Oklahoma. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Birthday shout outs. Happy fourth birthday to Kinsey and Micah Robbins. Happy fourth birthday to Declan Dalpois. I that's what I would have gotten. Dalpos. Dalpos. Yeah. Sorry, Declan. Happy 13th birthday to Serenity Johnson. Happy 16th birthday to Preston Lemons. Happy birthday to Will Harper. Happy 25th birthday to Jared Ike. And happy 13th anniversary to Angie and Darren Carroll. All right, let's talk a little more OUKU with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. 
Anopolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, here's the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Brian Haney is in the house. Brian, what's going on, man? Hey, Gabe. Hey, Teddy. Great to see you both. Excited to be down in Norman this weekend. And, uh, yeah, it's been a surreal start to the year. What's going on? A lot. Uh, ESPN College Game Day, first 5-0 and start since 09. And try to find a way, some way, somehow, somewhere, to get one more win these next six games and go to a bowl game for the first time since 2008. Man, it's well, it's been a lot of fun, but everything hasn't just been roses. You know, you're winning football games, and whenever that happens – Everyone wants to start talking about your coach going somewhere else. Yep. Then, you know, the, the superstar quarterback goes down, but then, you know, being who's, who's amazing shows up and plays an excellent football game. It's just been, you got content coming out your ears right now, man. (laughs) No doubt. And you're absolutely spot on. I mean, what are the odds that in the fifth different head coaching hire since Mark Mangino, former OU coordinator, by the way, as if you didn't already know that you guys know that it makes sure the fans remember that since Mangino's departure, it's taken five coaching hires to get it right for Kansas. And we finally get it right. And then the two programs that he's most closely affiliated with in his career path, Nebraska and Wisconsin, both get head coaching vacancies amidst our five and O start. How crazy is that? It has been a distraction, at least in the media. It hasn't been a distraction in the locker room with this team. Lance has done a great job of saying he's firmly planted where his boots are at. They want to be here, all of that. And all the while, very aggressively, our athletic director is trying to equip Lance with what he needs in terms of stadium upgrade, new facilities, new contract, all of the above. And that's a storyline that will continue to play out in the weeks to come. But on Friday of last week, they unveiled the new stadium transformation with not a ton of details just yet, but the 11th and Mississippi project, which is the intersection that it's located at uh, details to what will be a new North entry point into Kansas and KU football. By the time you guys are off to the sec will look way different than what it's looked like uh, all the years you've been coming up here. And even on Saturday with ESPN game day in town, if, if you guys went back and watched it on the DVR, since I know you were busy during the game, um, it looked way different because we had 48,000 strong in attendance and the hill was completely packed all the way up to the Campanile, the big bell tower there at the top of the hill. It was tremendous 
PR for the program. And, and that obviously is uh, a great like manna from heaven type gift for this program. But as you very astutely pointed out, Teddy, uh, not just the rumors of Lance Leipold being coveted by other schools, but you lose Daniel Hyshaw, an Oklahoma native who was quickly becoming our best running back. The stats would tell you Devin Neal, but Hyshaw was becoming their most explosive uh, run through you, run by you, run around you type back. He goes down with a hip injury that could be season ending. And then obviously with, with the news of this past week and Jalen Daniels, a kid that had climbed from relatively unknown outside of the Big 12 to top six in the Heisman odds after their 4-0 start. He was doing things with QBR that had never been done in college football before back in the month of September. He goes down with what looks like a very, very serious injury. And no matter what you believe with a, a wild night on Twitter last night from uh, the reports of a Lawrence Journal World writer, Zach Boyer, saying he was definitely done for the season, to Jalen tweeting back, sheesh, that's news to me. And then pictures from Lance Leipold's Twitter account of Jalen flexing and putting his arms in the air in his office. I mean, it was a it was a bizarre back and forth, uh, fit for only a place like Twitter, I guess. But the point is, uh, if indeed he's very doubtful, which were the words of, of Coach Leipold on Tuesday, it, it turns to Jason Bean. And uh, I know we'll, we'll cover this on subsequent questions, but the offense doesn't change a ton under Jason Bean. They do a lot of things very similarly. But Jalen Daniels, to be clear, was, was QB1 for a reason. And he had the it factor and the charisma and the moxie and all these intangibles that we've not had since Todd Reesing took these Jayhawks to the Orange Bowl and won it back in 2007, 2008. And so that's a big, big loss. Bean is faster. Here's a name the old school Oklahoma fans will remember. Jason Bean is the fastest Kansas quarterback since Nolan Cromwell, going way back in the day. He's a different kind of runner, though. He's not as tough between the tackles. He doesn't fight hard for that extra yard as much as Jalen Daniels might. Uh, that's something he's going to have to improve. And the one thing that scares you a little bit about Bean, no matter how brilliant he looked in the second half versus TCU, and he was fantastic, you're going to have to take all that good with the occasional head-scratching bad because it seems like once per half or so, he'll make one of those throws, like the interception on his own 26-yard line, that, that just leaves you thinking, oh my gosh, how in the heck did that happen? Those are the types of little mistakes that become big based on where they're at on the field and how deep they are into a game that he's going to have to find a way to avoid because obviously Oklahoma is going to come out with their hair on fire on Saturday and our margin for error without Jalen Daniels, without Daniel Hyshaw is much smaller than it was two weeks ago when both those guys were healthy. We were rolling along at 4-0. and I mean, we're talking about arguably two of our best four players on the whole team, uh, at least on the whole offense, that they go out in a two-week span. Yeah, I definitely think those are two. Those may be two of your best two players. Yeah, I mean, you you throw Lonnie Phelps in there at yep. the end and what he's been. But so with with Jalen Daniels being out for this game, right? We'll see what it means for the season. But who who has to step up, in your opinion? Like you look at that offense in particular. Who feel, fills the leadership void, and who do you think has to really step up and produce even more for the Jayhawks offense now? The leadership void is a very interesting question because Jalen is that incredibly charismatic, million-dollar smile, makes everybody feel good and a part of it type leader. And Jason Bean, I love this kid. He's just naturally more introverted, and it's not his gift. And so, you know, does Mike Nowitzki, one of the leaders on the offensive line, our center, 
who's not given up a sack in over 800 snaps, does he become more of a, a vocal guy in the huddle? Uh, is it Devin Neal at running back? Just a sophomore, but a guy they took to Dallas at Big 12 Media Day who's taken on more of a star role. I don't know. Uh, honestly, it's probably got to come from Jason. He's got to step outside of his comfort zone and be a little bit more of that. I'll be interested to see what they do offensively with him. As I said, he's got tremendous speed. If he gets to the edge and gets his shoulder square, he's gone. But but if you're using him running a ton on the option pitches where he's going to absorb a lot of contact and hits, guys after him, you're down to a true freshman, Ethan Vasco. And I think they'll want to run with him and they'll want to do a lot with the option game, which has been a focal point in the first five weeks. But understanding the attrition of the depth chart and where we sit after him, they'll probably want to be somewhat careful with him too. Maybe his best running contributions will be on plays where nothing is opened up deep downfield. He sees 10 yards in front of him and he, and he goes to get those 10 because if they line him up to run as often as Jalen was running, when he went for 124 yards, Houston, 85 West Virginia rushing double digit times per game. I don't know that Jason Bean's body is built to withstand that pounding. And I know we don't have behind him enough to, to put him in harm's way that often. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I know this much, a major question mark heading into the season after Kwame Lasseter graduated. He's now on the Cincinnati Bengals practice squad. We didn't know what we had at receiver. And a kid by the name of Quentin Skinner, who's a walk-on turned scholarship player, has turned into an amazing option downfield. Two tremendous touchdown catches that I know you guys saw in the TCU game. And Lawrence Arnold's been great. Luke Grimm, who we call the Grim Reaper. He kind of looks like Wes Welker back there. Little tiny guy. His dad told me this story. They developed toughness in him as a kid by putting a helmet on him and telling him to run into the deck post repeatedly, run into the deck post. I asked Luke, I said, were the neighbors calling like, you know, the authorities saying what's going on at the Grimm household? But but this is what they did to, to develop toughness. And this kid, he looks fearless going over the middle. So we've got some emerging talent there. The tight end group is one of the deepest tight end groups in the league. Kind of reminds you Iowa State in recent years. And so we've got some options around Bean, but I think leadership is, is not necessarily the, the obvious passing of the baton just based on who Jalen is and what Jason's skill set is. But I think Jason can, can kind of bring a little bit more, even if it's not his natural gift, to be a little more vocal there. He's going to have to be if he's going to have to uh, steer the ship here for the next few weeks. How about on the other side of the ball? You know, defensively, been opportunistic, created some big plays. Really wasn't the highlight of the team, though, until that Iowa State game. And then all of a sudden here they, uh, you know, they lock down and win a football game to stay undefeated. Uh, talk about that group and, and how fun it's been watching their development. Well, there's no Teddy Lehman running around out there. I know that's for sure. But we've got some guys that don't look like what you've seen at Kansas in recent years. The transfer portal, to be honest, guys, we were afraid it was going to help Kansas basketball and hurt Kansas football. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Uh, when it first became popular, right before Les Miles left, we lost three defensive starters to SEC schools like that. And so we were worried. But Lance Leipold came in and was able to get a top 25 transfer portal class. He was able to keep a lot of our best talent in-house, starting with Kenny Logan, who's a preseason first-team All-Big 12 safety. He's created the type of culture that, you want to come here, be a part of it, stick and stay. And so the portal has actually become KU's best friend with additions like Lonnie Phelps that Gabe mentioned earlier, who just looks different than the, the Russians we've been trotting out there the last 10 years. I mean, he looks the part. 
Uh, he is absolutely you know worthy of that that place in the current Big 12 pecking order in the top two or three in sacks. He, he's been averaging one sack a game over the first six games. Craig Young comes to us from Ohio State. He's a linebacker that's gotten better and better and better with each passing week. Eric Gilliard, a transfer from Central Florida, he's been great as well. And so we've got some key plug-and-play pieces that have made us immediately better with 21, 22-year-old kids coming in here. And then they've kind of grown up their own homegrown secondary a bit. Kobe Bryant, who you'll recall last year was going by Jacoby Bryant, He's shortened his name. He's raised his game. And since the other Kobe Bryant, the late great NBA Hall of Famer, was the Black Mamba, I'm calling this Kobe Bryant the Hawk Mamba. He's been awesome, guys. And, and I'm not saying he is a keep to leave. Let's be very clear. I'm not saying that. But he's our best cover corner in terms of production, swagger, all that since a keep to leave, which is obviously going back a ways to that Orange Bowl team. And a went on to be a five time Pro Bowler. So he's brought some swag to the secondary along with Kenny Logan, who's coming off one of his best games as a Jayhawk with 12 tackles, a forced fumble and fumble recovery. And so what you're hearing in my response is, Teddy, we've got legit talent at all three levels of the defense, which sadly we couldn't say that for a lot of years. You might have you know, a highlight guy here or there, but the defense was on the field a ton. They had big tackle totals in the secondary because other teams were getting to the third level a lot. We're seeing more bodies up front. They're rotating in the defensive line with greater depth and talent than we've had in 14 years. And that's led to guys being fresher, more effective, more imposing, and, and really, you know, more daunting than, than this Kansas defense has been for a long, long time. And you could argue that while the second half did not go the way we wanted it to, and, and Quentin Johnson obviously had a huge day, the way they played versus Iowa State and the way they played in those first two quarters versus TCU is the best we've seen out of a Kansas defense in a long, long time. So hopefully there's more of that still to come. So, you know, with that in mind, Brian, are, are you feeling like this defense is showing significant improvement? Because, listen, man, we're, we're trying to figure out any way that you can get a defense to improve over here. Uh, we're, we're searching for answers. but. Do you feel like you're seeing some significant progress for the Jayhawks on the defensive side of the ball? Because the offense has been the story, right? But right. has this defense quietly been improving? It really has. We've seen tremendous strides made. You know, in the, the Iowa State game, they had eight tackles for loss, five sacks. They were really disruptive up front. Got some key stops on third and fourth downs that flipped that game. And then we were fortunate, to be honest, with two doinked field goals. You don't often see that. You know, twice in one game, and the poor kid wound up missing three of them for the full game, but two off the post. But the fact that the defense was forcing field goals and not touchdowns was a nice breath of fresh air and change of scenery for us around here. So it has gotten better. But Quentin Johnston had a huge, huge day against us last week. And, you know, we've seen that with Bryce Ford Wheaton of West Virginia. Uh, they, they did a pretty decent job on Xavier Hutchinson for the most part. Uh, Tank Dell of Houston, who was a you know all-conference guy for the Cougars, they did a tremendous job on him. So they've seen a lot of elite receiver talent. I know we'll run into some very talented guys this weekend, no doubt. But uh, I, I do think it has been a steady improvement with Brian Borland's group, our defensive coordinator. They just have to keep it coming. And last week, uh, you know, some of the, the key times we got gashed, there were situations where the injury bug had bitten us within that game. That stuff I don't think will spill over to this week, though, so that's encouraging for Kansas fans. Right. Tell us how you see this thing unfolding. Um, obviously, uh, with the type of football they're playing and 
looking at the type of football Oklahoma's playing, they're not going to be coming in scared of anything, right? Uh, they got they're, they're smelling blood in the water. Kansas is whenever they show up to Norman. So how do you see this thing unfolding? Well, I I think for all the talk we just made about the defense, and it has been much better getting Dylan Gabriel back and and knowing what he's capable of compared to what you guys had to run offensively last week, I think is going to make a world of difference. And Kansas has to avoid the big explosive plays that that got them beat last week versus TCU. And, you know, a guy like Marvin Mims and and all the talent you guys can throw at us, I think is is certainly – Daunting and, and something that, that we're, we're very mindful of and, 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 and weary of. But I do think Kansas personnel-wise matches up better than we have for a lot of years. And last year, obviously, we, we played our tails off and, and found a way to stay close in that one. This is a much better unit, though, thanks to all those transfer portal additions. Having said that, points are going to be scored. And so for me, the key for Kansas is in, in what shapes up on paper to be more of a shootout-type game played in the 30s, we have to avoid that that big mistake that, that as I told you earlier, Jason Bean is sometimes prone to uh, a turnover deep in your own end, an interception that he just overthrows the guy by five yards, and all of a sudden you guys are coming back the other way with a potential pick six. He can be very, very good for this team, but when the margin for error is so small and on paper this matchup looks to be a one-score type game, we can't be giving OU a short field based on our own self-inflicted wounds. Kansas was so disciplined a year ago in Leipold's first season, but they've had some untimely fourth quarter penalties this year, guys, more in the first half of the year than we had uh, in the fourth quarter all of last season. So Kansas has to play a clean game. Jason Bean has to stay away from, obviously, that, that game-changing type turnover. But then, honestly, guys, I think Andy Kotelnicki, our O.C., he empties the kitchen sink and everything in it uh, because they, they see this as, you know, each of these last six games, you got to win one of them to get us to that bowl game that we opened the show by talking about. And, and they see this as an opportunity, you know, to, to really air it out, be super creative, do a lot while big 12 defenses are adjusting to what will Kansas be without Jalen Daniels. This is a week, I think, to throw a lot out there and, and just see what it adds up to. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out on Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah, can't wait for Kotal Nicky to unload the clip on uh, <laughs> of this OU defense. Brian, man, it, excited to see you in Norman on Saturday, man. As always, thanks for the time. Thank you so much, fellas. Always a pleasure, Gabe and Teddy. And, uh, you know, Teddy, I haven't called any bowl games unless I've been working next to you because <laughs> Kansas football hasn't been in the postseason since 08. We're hoping that changes this year. But uh, the one time I got to share the mic with him was was down in Dallas on a a different bowl broadcast and man you're working with one of the best in the business game as are you i listen to you all the time too so this was a, a pleasure to get to come on with you both well yeah, hopefully you guys get a full game <laughs> that's right that's right the game we called was the first game canceled canceled uh in college football bowl game history since pearl harbor but it was lightning and rain and all that down in dallas it was aj Dillon and boston college versus boise state about four or five years ago. So that was a, a historic lot. broadcast. We can say that, right? We still got paid for, for nine minutes of game work and two hours of rain delay theater. It was <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Brian, we'll see you Saturday, man. See you fellas. I, I kind of fought the urge to ask him like, Hey, what do you do? Like when your team's not playing well, like how do you handle that? But I didn't Ted, I didn't, I fought the urge. I know, I know. Uh, it's got to feel like Christmas, right? To call 
like year after year after year of horrible football and then out of nowhere you've got i guess it's not necessarily out of nowhere but you've got uh, a special run on your hands it's generates all kinds of uh fanfare and it's pretty cool i'm happy for them but unfortunately i hope they get their ass kicked this week i 100 percent agree with that sentiment <laughs> very happy for brian very happy for leipold the program hope they take a nice ass whooping in Norman got to happen. It's got, we got to have it, man. We need it for our mental health. All right, let's get to our previews of some of the best games of week seven of college football. But first it's football time in Oklahoma people. And there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than clubby seltzers. Clubby seltzers is an Oklahoma company. That's already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for tailgating either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. They got some new flavors. They got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has Clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Week seven in college football, and this slate is loaded. Awesome what, six weekend. top 25 on top 25 matchups? Yep, big stuff happening out there. A bunch of uh, like kind of classic football games, which is really cool. Yeah, this is the weekend we've been waiting for. People, uh, when I I chose my three three favorite number ten Penn State traveling to number five Michigan, Fox Big Noon kickoff. Michigan currently a touchdown favorite over the Nittany Lions. And this is a huge matchup in the Big Ten. I mean, it absolutely is. Michigan, they really haven't been tested up to this point, but they've passed every test that's been in front of them, right? I mean, they they don't control the schedule. But you look at this matchup, both teams undoubtedly going to try to lean on their running games, right? Blake Corum has been fantastic for Michigan. Uh, they're going to feed him the rock. Penn State, they've got the two stud freshmen, right? Singleton and Allen. They're going to feed those guys. Singleton is legit. They're going to feed those guys the rock. So kind of knowing that, I feel like the quarterback playing this game is going to be huge. And on one side, you've got the polarizing one, Sean Clifford, who has been in a lot of these games now, right? I mean, this guy has played in a lot of big-time games now. He's played poorly in a lot of them, but he does have the experience. Like, he's he's not going to be shaken going to the big house 
on the road and playing in this game. Like he's been in the battles. And on the other side, JJ McCarthy's starting to look pretty good, man. I mean, now that he is the guy at quarterback and, you know, Ronnie Bell for him at wide receiver for Michigan, he's looked really good. But I I just, I kind of, it's weird. I kind of lean towards Clifford's experience as opposed to, you know, McCarthy's talent and being at home. But I really feel like this is going to be an evenly matched football game, Ted, especially from a talent perspective. Uh, both both rosters got a ton of players on them. I, I think this is going to be a great football game. Yeah. You know, I was, I was wrong about James Franklin earlier this year whenever they went on the road against Auburn. Um, they got that win. I, you know, it's so hard for me to pick Penn State. They've had, I feel like, countless opportunities in games similar to this where they just haven't been able to get it done. Is this the year? I, I'm i with you on Michigan. Haven't been really tested. Not necessarily their fault. Um, or not their fault at all. But I, I kind of feel like this may be the time for Penn State to get it done. Uh, I'm kind of with you uh, on the experience at quarterback. And, you know, it's, it's probably going to come down to, like, the running games for both teams are, are tough and physical solid defenses on both sides it's probably going to come down to just a handful of throws at the quarterback position and you hate saying that in a football game with Sean Clifford <laughs> but but I, I I'm kind of leaning with what you say whenever he's got some experience in some big time games like this aside from that it's hard for me to really give an edge one way or the other yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned, you know, big plays in the passing game could be the def- could be the difference. Penn State's secondary is talented, man. Uh, I mean, legit. And I, I've been impressed with Manny Diaz. Right? That's where he's at. For anyone that didn't know, yeah. Manny Diaz is the defensive coordinator at Penn State right now. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I certainly like if I had to bet on the game. I would bet Penn State to cover. I'm not sure I'd I'd bet him to win the game, but I feel like this is going to be this is going to be tight. It's going to be exciting. Going to come down to the last couple of possessions. And James Franklin has been awful on the road, especially in big games for Penn State. So I'm kind of with you. Like eventually, it's got to happen, right? Is he due? Is this is this program due to get one? If they go get it, man, all of a sudden they become a very real player there in the Big Ten. And, you know, possibly we start talking about them for the college football playoff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. A classic football game, though. Classic uh, uniform matchup. It's going to be fantastic. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be really cool. Unfortunately, uh, we'll, we won't be able to watch it. Have to just stay updated as it rolls through, but still a fantastic matchup already have the DVR set (laughs) for this one. I will be watching it with a, uh, with some alcoholic beverages on Saturday night. Okay. Massive game in the sec. Number three, Alabama travels to number six, Tennessee. This is the two thirty CBS game. Bama, a seven and a half 
point road favorite in Knoxville. And I mean, the big question coming to the into this game, like and obviously everyone wants to talk about the quarterbacks in this game, and it's understandable. But how healthy is Bryce Young? I mean, the fact that that game got as tight as it did against AM and they didn't feel comfortable putting him out on the field as Jalen Milrow was struggling a little bit. It tells you that shoulders banged up, right? It's yeah. so how effective is he going to be? Because on the other side, you got an absolute baller and difference maker at quarterback with Hendon Hooker, not just what he can do with his arm, but what he can do with his legs as well. And man, this feels like a big breakout opportunity for Hendon Hooker. I feel like everyone knows who he is now, but Ted, doesn't this feel like Hooker's opportunity to jump like to the top of the Heisman conversation and to jump in the discussion, like, Hey, who, what quarterback is going to go is going to be the first guy off the board in the NFL draft. Like it feels like that type of opportunity for him. Yeah. Well, you know, anytime you have a team that's been down for an extended period, that's a traditional power and they have like a big bounce back season. It all comes together at once. You get all kinds of momentum for stuff exactly like that. A Heisman trophy, perhaps. And if you get the win, like one way to secure a Heisman trophy is to beat Alabama. Uh, if Correct. you're in the race uh, and, and you beat Alabama, that's pretty much the, uh, the Trump card there. You've pulled out the ace of spades. So yeah, this is a, this is a huge moment for him. I'm not, you know, I haven't really even looked into what the NFL scouts say about him, but dude's super efficient with the ball. He's uh, obviously athletic can do some things in the running game. So yeah, I, I would imagine you, you pull something off like that. It's got to get the attention of, of everyone. So I can't wait for this. I'm telling you right now with the way that Bama has just, just gotten by this year, just got past Texas, you know, just got past Texas A&M. Uh, messed around and let Arkansas hang around in that football game for for a little while. I think Tennessee gets it done. I think they pull Ooh. off the upset. Yeah, you're right. They have not looked invincible, and I know this. And I, I didn't cover that OU Tennessee game like you did. Um, you know, a few years back now, Neyland Stadium. It that that's a factor in this game. I mean, that place yeah. is going to be insane and dude I, I can't wait to watch Tennessee's offense against Bama's defense I mean the amount of talent on the field right obviously Will Anderson Dallas Turner all those guys for Bama defensively but Cedric Tillman that stud wide receiver for Tennessee supposed to be back yep. for this game he had that tightrope surgery right I think to get back for it I so now Hooker's got Jalen Hyatt who's been balling for them at wide receiver and and his best target Tillman back, and they got that one-two punch at running back. It could come down to which team can run the football, right? We a ton of talk about the quarterbacks, but it could be okay. Can those two guys from Tennessee get going, or does Jameer Gibbs? You know, is he the X factor for Bama in this one? I I just hope it's as good of a game as I think it's going to be. 
because it feels like it's going to be an incredible setting and wildly entertaining. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I feel like these teams that get on these special runs and all good things come to an end. I get that, but I, there's something powerful behind that, you know, and what an opportunity for Heupel and Tennessee here. If they can, uh, if they can pull this thing off and, like I said, uh, Alabama has just they they've had moments where they've looked like everyone expected them to this year, but it hasn't come together consistently like like we would have expected. Now, this could be the moment they put their their best game together, absolutely. But man, I'm taking Tennessee. I'm taking the taking the underdog. I don't know when the last time they beat Alabama was. It's been a long time, but I'm thinking they get it done. The yeah, there there is a bit of a weird situation there. Like when you talk about distractions going into the game, the situation with their safety, Jalen McCullough, that is a drunk guy goes into his apartment, says something to him, like punches the guy, he falls down a flight of stairs. I like just not not great. A bit of a distraction. And he's a good player. He's like their second leading tackler. Yeah. That's so, tough. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, but that game's going to be awesome. All right, last one. Number eight, Oklahoma State. Traveling to Fort Worth to take on the number 13 TCU Horn Frogs. 2.30 on ABC. TCU all the way up to a three-and-a-half-point favorite currently. And would you talk about the Big 12 race? Massive football game. I mean, absolutely massive football game. It it kind of has the feel that it's going to be a shootout, right? I, I feel like both defenses have been okay, like still have something to prove. Now this game is the perfect opportunity for either of these defenses to prove that they're better maybe than what they put on the field so far. But with the way that Spencer Sanders is playing right now, and it certainly helps that Bryson Green has been – a dude for them these last couple of weeks. And it sounds like Braden Johnson should be back for this game that he can absolutely fly. But with what Duggan and TCU look like offensively with what Spencer Sanders has looked like, man, this could be, this could be an old school big 12 game, like, like the scoreboard up. And I wouldn't mind it being that way. I hope it's that way, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's, it's going to be an active game offensively for sure. I think it's going to be yet another unbelievable atmosphere. We got to see TCU whenever it's popping down there. Uh, it's a four-hour dance party uh, in that stadium, and they've got a really nice uh, scene around it, tailgating scene. It's going to be a big-time game. I think TCU gets it done. I do. I think they have the more explosive offense. I know they don't have the experience at quarterback, but the way Duggan's playing right now is just, you know, he, he is, he's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think I like the duo at running back, uh, for TCU. I mean, tight game. Well, you know what? It wouldn't shock me if TCU put it on him pretty good, which is, you know, a kind of shocking to say Oklahoma state is, I mean, there are no, it, it, you know, Oklahoma State's number eight ranked team in the country. 
they're no stranger to being a top 10 team and, and knowing what it's like to come in and get someone's uh, best shot. I, this team's been in the top 10 now or close to it for going on a long time after the season they put together last year. So, I mean, they've got more experience going into that, that game than you would think, but I don't know. It's yet another team kind of like Tennessee to a certain degree that I feel like whenever you've got momentum, you got something special happening. You're playing at home. I this is I feel like this is one of those games where give it to the home team, building off the uh, feeding off the crowd, feeding off the energy, feeding off the momentum that they've created this season. Yeah, and you know I I don't disagree, but I am interested to see number one if Oklahoma State can run the football effectively. That's been kind of up and down for them. But I wonder how they're going to play offensively. They are back to hyper-tempo, playing fast. I wonder if Gundy and Casey Dunn look at this game and they go, maybe we should slow it down a little bit, right? Maybe we should operate at a bit of a different pace. Now they've been playing well offensively, playing with tempo. So maybe they say, hey, we do what, we're going to do what we do. But one key matchup. That Oklahoma State secondary, remember, all those new pieces, they've given up a lot of yards in the passing game. And Max Duggan, that wide receiver core for TCU, I feel like they're going to test that group. And it's up to those guys in the back end of Oklahoma State's defense to say, no, 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 no. You're, you're not just going to air it out on us. Uh, I, I'm interested to see if, if they can slow down that Horn Frog passing attack at, at all Oklahoma State's defense line, they got to have a big day, right? They got to make Duggan uncomfortable. Uh, he's been, he's been really, really good, man. And one thing to remember for both of these teams, we've seen it this season multiple times already. Special teams. Both of these teams have impact return guys. Yep. They've had return touchdowns. You know, we continue to see Darius Davis for TCU just look like a ridiculously fast human being on a football field. So can, like, is it one of those? Is it the Nixon guy for Oklahoma State? Is it Davis for TCU? Like, could the game swing on that type of play? I I, I don't know, but it certainly, certainly could play out that way. Always when you have two tight teams, special teams is uh, often the deciding factor, whether it's a misfield goal late or a big return, muffed kick, something like that, absolutely. Um, that'll probably be the difference. And I don't know, man. I Two really, really good football teams. Excited to watch this one. Um, but I'm taking TCU, man. I, and that's not that's not a, a knock against Oklahoma State. I think Quentin Johnston coming, coming to life the last couple of weeks is also, you know, uh, it's like the afterburner on what's already been a really good offense. And I think they're going to be – Max Duggan keeps playing the way that he has. They're going to be pretty much too much to stop. Yeah, I like TCU also. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first – First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. 
Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, oh yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I'm going with Jackson Arnold. Uh, got the fifth star from uh, from ESPN, and you know that it's it's big with the the quarterbacks he's associated with right now. Um, you've got well, I think it's the the first time that they've had uh, four quarterbacks in the top ten overall recruits. Um, Jackson Arnold made it into that that prestigious group. He was uh, number 15 previously. Now he is the number eight overall player in the 2023 class, having an excellent senior season right now. They're, they're undefeated. Uh, he's put up some really nice numbers. I think he's thrown 13 touchdowns and just one interception, also adding some, uh, uh, some uh, ground touchdowns as well, four rushing touchdowns and that comes as uh, very, very welcome and needed news considering the quarterback situation at Oklahoma right now outside of Dylan Gabriel. Uh, yeah, that's very exciting, right? Um, I believe Jackson Arnold was at the OU Texas game. My hope, my hope is that he saw it and went, there's a path for me to play very quickly which is important, right? And I know a lot of people are very concerned about them keeping the recruiting class together, but this is what I know. Brent Venables is an awesome recruiter. Jeff Levy is a very, very good recruiter. So I, I feel confident they're going to be able to keep what is looking like a top five class now together, right? Because some of those guys, we haven't talked much about recruiting, since the season started, because we like to focus on the games, but some of those guys that you and I both said, Hey, like, Hey, they're going to climb in the rankings during their seasons, senior season, because they're going to be really productive. They're going to play well. Like a couple of those evaluations that OU staff felt really good about, like, Hey, these guys are gonna, 
they're going to become a bigger deal. Well, they have. That's exactly how it's played out, which is a great thing. So I know the season season isn't going well. In fact, it's going poorly currently. (laughs) But the recruiting trail appears to still have still have the juice, which is great. And you know, it's it's not always the instant reaction is always, oh my God, a bad season. What is this going to do to recruiting? it doesn't necessarily have the effect that you think it would at times. It can even have a positive effect in recruiting. Now that is, if you eliminate all the other things, like sometimes you can't do anything about big NIL deals coming down uh, a recruits, uh, you know, way from a different school, stuff like that is going to happen. But, you know, the sales job becomes easier on a coach, right? And whether or not it's true, the sales pitch becomes easy. This is why we need you. This is what I've been telling you that you're it's, we need you right now. And, you know, I, 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 I still feel confident about it, that the recruiting is going to continue to go well. And there's still some other names out there that they've got really good opportunities with. I'm, I'm not naive to think that, you know, there's not a threat of losing, some of the guys that we've, we've got committed, that's always a threat, but um, I feel good about it. Yeah, no, it, I think a lot of people, some anxious energy about what, what's going to happen with the current recruiting class, but have some faith people have some faith. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Hot seat coaches in college football. Matt Rule fired on Monday from Carolina after a bad start. What are they, one and four? His defensive coordinator, Phil Snow, has been let go as well. Those guys have been uh, joined at the hip since the days back at Temple. Um, I don't know whether or not he's going to take a job. The dude gets like, what, $40 million from Carolina? Guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, he'll be coaching some, uh, he, he can, he can go coach somewhere and go to the beach, but, uh, Matt rule belongs in college. Not only does he belong in college, Matt rule is a program rebuilder in my opinion. And he, he suits a lot of places out there really, really well. And there's going to be some big paydays thrown out his way, which, you know, at the end of the day, he's in a position to where the pay isn't necessarily going to matter because he's getting so much money from Carolina. Like, you know, you'll just be adding on to whatever that is. So um, I don't know, but there's, a, there's going to be a lot of schools that want to get in uh, on the Matt rule sweepstakes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, you know, Matt Rule, I think he's a tremendous coach. I think he's also he's a really good developer, like you meant. Like he his whole thing was, hey, we're gonna get these guys with these athletic measurables and we're gonna turn them into football players. And it worked at Temple. And the way that he got Baylor back so quickly, like it was just it was so impressive. But from what I've read. The, the contract with, if he takes a college job that did like, there's an offset, right? Yeah. 
So he's getting the money from Carolina if he doesn't coach. So maybe you take a year or two, right? And you wait, but gosh, I would, I, and I, I'm a big fan of Matt rule. I've interviewed him a ton, uh, with my show there uh, on the big 12 show on Sirius when he was coaching at Baylor. I just, I want him to go to Nebraska cause I want to see if he can pull it off. Honestly. I know that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. It, the Nebraska thing just seems, it just seems so natural. Now is he, a, is he from Pennsylvania? Penn state guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that would be, be first but, back in the big 10. Uh, you know, but it it just seems like the right place, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think Nebraska would rather have Leipold or Rule? Rule. I agree. And nothing against Lance Leipold. Like he's right. clearly crushing it. But I, I Rule's, he's very charismatic, you know? Like, he not only can he develop, but he he wins the press conference also. Like, he's he's kind of got it all. Yeah, I I think it would be a hard sell to your fan base if you had a chance at rule and chose Leipold. Like that could that could cost you your job, I think. And that's the, like you said, that's not taking anything away from Leipold, but I it it just feels like, like he's done a great job at Kansas, but you just feel like there's maybe there's still a little left that's unknown, you know, but I don't know. I also, the Colorado job, hmm. they should not be that bad. And when you think about it, like USC and UCLA looking pretty good right now, they're gone next year, right? And, and I know the mystery, like the uncertainty of the Pac-12 and how much can Colorado pay you, like that's that's a conversation, but Boulder is sweet, there's no reason they shouldn't be a more talented program. I mean, you got a lot to sell there with Boulder. There's got to be a Denver. feeding. Yeah, there's got to be a feeding frenzy of alum there, like ready for something like that to happen. And if you can go and say, "Hey guys, we got a shot at this," if you if we can come up with the money, you wouldn't think that it'd be that difficult to do. But I I don't know. I I, I think that. If you had to go through the Carl Durrell years, like I, I think Matt Rule is better than Mel Tucker. Yeah. So if you can come out and end up with Matt Rule, if you're Colorado, I know that maybe you don't even know what conference you're going to be in the future. If the Pac-12 is going to survive, what's going to happen? But I would also love to see him there, see if he could build it, build it up. There's no reason they should be as bad as they are. Agree. And one of the big reasons they've slipped is they have not been able to recruit Texas the way that they did when in the big, when they were in the big 12. Well, and I know Joey McGuire was a big help for Matt rule when he was at Baylor, but that was kind of their thing. Identifying guys that slipped through the cracks that had the athletic profile they liked and then making them football players. So you do that, you recruit California. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like, and although he, he wasn't a successful NFL coach as a recruiter. It's still like when you walk in and you've been an NFL head coach for a couple of years, people know who you are. Yeah. And, and that, it carries weight. Like you've been yeah. in the league, you know what it takes to be in the league. And I just like 
the fact that, and I feel like every, and maybe I'm just kind of projecting this, but I, it feels like college football as a whole wants rule to go to one of these places and turn them into like the next level program, whether it's like a Wisconsin or a Nebraska or like any, like you mentioned, Colorado, any of those schools that have previously been a big part of college football and the, the overall atmosphere of the sport and have since like faded and Wisconsin hasn't faded that far from it. Um, you know, heck they were what, one, one of the number top two or three defenses in the country last year, but you know, still like to take one of those programs that has not been in the playoff conversation really and turn them into a contender. Like it, that's, that's one of the fun things about college football is whenever you have some of these programs rise from the ashes and it, like, like kind of like what you're seeing from Tennessee this year. Yeah. It, if you could, if you could guarantee rule that Colorado's staying in the PAC 12 and you know, USC and UCLA are going to be gone and you can pay him what he wants to be paid. I would love to watch that. Why you even got to guarantee that? What if you could, Tell him that we're going to the big 12. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you're just going back at the word. I mean, I guess those are probably the two scenarios. You're out there in the pac 12 without USC and UCLA, or you're back in the big 12 with something you're familiar with. So I don't know it. I, I think I am being, my judgment is being uh, a little skewed because like, I just love Denver. I think it's an awesome town and Boulder that that campus is gorgeous. And there's so much beer everywhere. <laughs> and right. obviously a uh, big marijuana town there as well. So it would, uh, I, I don't know. I, they shouldn't be that bad. All right, let's get to my winner and loser for my winner of the week. Thought about going with the Ben Simmons haters. <laughs> Ted, did you see the video? What are we doing? Like, so what? I, I don't know what event that was. It looked like maybe some community event or something. They all have their jerseys. It's like at an outdoor court, but it wasn't even the fact that he airballed it. The form just looks, dude. I mean, it just looks awful. Like he airballed it and he's not even at the free throw line. And like, I don't, but just the release, everything. I was like, oh my God. I saw a tweet from, uh, Bill Simmons, who's got, you know, one of the most popular sports podcasts. And he was like, I, I may take the nets under win total just because of this, like this video. I don't know, man, the dude just, I, I have, I've never gotten the feeling that he cares or is, or feels like basketball is worth any of his time. <laughs> it's just the, it's just the feeling I've had. For him, since he was all the way when he was back at LSU. I just, and, and Steve Nash, I saw an article, Steve Nash talking about like, you know, Ben's got to get back physically, back mentally, got to build his confidence back up. I, I think that thing in Brooklyn could be a dumpster fire this year, man. It's, they are the gift that keeps on giving from a drama standpoint. And ooh, it could explode at some point. Powder keg. Oh, it, 
it's a it is definitely a powder keg and they're gonna try early on but the first sign of like adversity or whatever it's just gonna kaboom and i i've watched some of their preseason stuff it's like simmons still he wants nothing to do with shooting the ball like at all like away from the rim absolutely not i just i don't know it's like one of those um who is the who's the pitcher the lefty uh, lester that couldn't throw over to first base yeah <laughs> it's like it's like the same thing right now it's like it doesn't matter what's happening i'm not thrown to first base and you know simmons is i'm not shooting the basketball yeah all right but my winner of the week josh giddy man or maybe it's the oklahoma city thunder hey ted i know season starts in a week how about that nba season starts in a week have you I I'm going out on a limb and saying you have not been dialed into Oklahoma City Thunder preseason basketball. I have not been dialed in, but I have seen some stuff. Okay. And there let me go. just say the one thing about possibly having a football team that doesn't make a playoff or a bowl game, it just means the NBA season starts sooner for me, you know? That's true. So we may have to shift some more, uh, some more talk time over right. in, into the thunder area of sick, but got a win against the Pistons. And I know it's preseason, but Pistons, very young, talented core, right? Thunder, same thing. A lot of excitement moving forward for both organizations, but preseason game on Tuesday night and Josh Giddy looks good. And there was a, there was a lot that was made from Chip England being added to that staff, kind of like the shooting specialist. It And Giddy looks like he's learned how to shoot. Man, four of eight from three, and we're talking off the dribble. We're talking catch and shoot. I, it looks good. A lot of art. It's it's looking nice. And I know that you know, he's Egypt, by the way, he just turned 20 years old. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, he's... He's got a lot of basketball ahead of him, but this is, he's going in his third year. Second. Is it just second? Okay. Yeah. But he is, I mean, he looks like a guy that is going to be, you know, here in a few years, two, three years could be an all NBA type player. Like he's yep. just, he's so skilled. And if he can shoot at that size, man, it's, it's exciting. Uh, Lou Dort looks like he's in great shape. Looks great. Jalen Williams, the other first rounder. I mean, the one from Santa Clara. That guy's going to be a big factor for this team. Like his ability, his movement with the basketball as he's handling it, but his defense. And that guy looks like he's going to be one of the best defenders on this team already. I mean, there's some exciting stuff. Usman Jang looks extremely skilled. Now, we, my, my wife and I, we went to a Thunder thing not too long ago. All the players were there. That dude looks so young. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's, he's like 18, maybe 19 years old, right? Like he looks so young, but he is tall as hell and athletic and fluid. Like I know they're going to lose a lot of games this year, man. I, I know that it, and it'll be exciting once Shea gets back from the knee injury, but I am, I'm as excited as I've been in a couple of years about what we could see. Now, it, I really wish Chet Holmgren wasn't missing the season, but I'm just kind of interested to see what it looks like this year for him. I, I think they could win some more games than people think, yeah. which may not be a good thing, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is.
Yeah, that's good. Um, I like Giddy. He's he seems to have just a great personality. Also, I think he could be a fan favorite, you know, throughout the league if he continues to develop and and is on the uh, trajectory you're talking about. You got to have you got to have seven footers that hit threes nowadays. It's it's weird, but that's what you got to have, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So buckle up, people. Thunder basketball is almost here. My loser of the week. I'm I, I'm in baseball mode, Ted. Uh, I'm watching playoff baseball. I'm dialed in and thought about going with the Seattle Mariners. Oh, woo, woo. Take the seven, five lead into the ninth and game one of the ALDS and Jordan Alvarez sends a three run walk off to the damn moon, man. I mean, that was an absolute blast of a home run to win that game. Unbelievable. That was, that was, that's like as cool as it gets, right? Whole crowd already on their feet. What I think the count's Owen one, two outs, and just gets every single inch of that baseball. Woo! That was cool. What's that? It's only the second time in history in a playoff game. Is that right? Uh, that yeah, your so last that, out. Yeah, ESPN stats and info. Second walk-off home run in postseason history by a team down to its final out. Wow! So if Be you're perfect. a Mariners fan, you're like, really? We we bring Robbie Ray in, really, and this is what we get a a historic walk off against us. I'm not a obviously a fan of the Astros, but that's about as cool as it gets. Yeah, no, I it was. I was watching. I was like, oh my god! Like it was uh, playoff baseball, man. The suspense, it's fun. It really is fun. I was like scrolling through because I saw it on Twitter last night and I was showing it to my son. And then I was like scrolling through the comments and there was a <laughs> someone reposted the video and like right before the pitch, you hear this like clank, 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 like he's like the trash cans getting banged. It's pretty funny. That's good. Oh, that's good. Um, my loser of the week. Also thought about going with Baker Mayfield. Mm. Coach fired. Um, high ankle sprain. You got some people saying, Hey, two to six weeks. You got some people saying day to day. I, I mean, it feels like a situation where we're about to see Baker out there playing hurt again. And I mean, it hasn't gone well for him. Like, I mean, it just hasn't right. He has not played good football for the Panthers so far. And, you know, we watched him out there last season playing hurt. If he goes out there again this year on a bum ankle, uh, oh, I don't like how that lines up, man. Yeah, I it's it's not it's not feeling great either near term near term or long term for Baker right now. I'm kind of curious where things go for him. Um, it's unfortunate to say right now, but if you're a head coach and Baker Mayfield's on your roster, you better watch out. <laughs> you know, he's gone through a, a coach almost every single season he's been in the league. Um, I don't know. I hope he gets healthy. This year's not going to be a good year. And I feel like he's going to have to, he's going to have to work his way back up from. He's like got a Geno Smith spot. it, man. Yeah. That's what it's going to look like. He's got to get like. a break. 
get an opportunity, and when he gets that opportunity, he's got to play really, really well. Yep. I mean, that's just just where it's at right now. But my loser of the week, and it's such a shame because he was awesome in the game, but Devontae Adams has created a mess for himself. So first of all, Raiders, and I'm so sorry, Chris Plank. I'm so sorry, man, that your Raiders are doing this to you, but they blow another big lead, right? Blow a 17-point lead to the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, dropping them to one and four. And, you know, there's a play late for Devontae Adams. By the way, his cleats were so sick. Those, like, shiny silver ones, very Joe Washington of them. But he... He kind of bobbles it, doesn't secure it, and get both feet in. That was a big play, like him not catching that and securing it in that moment. But he had a massive game, right? But pushing that photographer was a big mistake. And, and I know, and I know he, it, you see it from certain angles, and it's like he didn't see him to the last minute. But I know you're frustrated. I know you just dropped a one and four. But you just, you can't do it. Now, I will say, hey, photographer, have some damn awareness, man. <laughs> Don't walk in front of the players trying to get to the tunnel after they just lost. Let's, let's look alive, man. Come on now. But he pushes him to the ground. That's going to be an expensive push, Ted. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is. I don't know, like, what the what the league is going to put on it, but it's definitely going to be a fine from the league. Um, you just you just gotta you gotta be smarter than that in that moment. I know he's pissed. I know he's he's walking off the field like that's like the most dangerous time for a player to do something stupid, and it got him. And he's otherwise, from what I've seen and what I know about him, just an absolute, you know fantastic teammate player guy community all of that so you hate to see this this one moment define him or you know make him appear to be something that he's not but it's just can't do it i I mean and it if people are wondering like how how big of a deal is it remember there was the chris jones roughing the passer uh, just an absurd call where he strips it from car and like it just that has been overshadowed by Devonte adams pushing this guy yeah and you're right fines coming and the guy he, he filed a police report saying that he suffered injuries from adams assaulting him yeah. that is that's going to get settled out of court there's no doubt but one of the bad parts for Devonte adams is a simple Google tells you how much money that dude's making. Yeah. I no way. I'm, I'm and this is, this is a personality flaw, but there's no chance in hell. I settle out of court with that guy. I, there's no way it's on video. The dude is not hurt at all. That is not assault. You got pushed whenever you're stumbling around in front of a dude, any judge, or any uh, jury that awards that that guy anything more than like season tickets to the Raiders games <laughs> is a total fraud, and it is the reason that our court system is backed up with a bunch of bullshit 
is because of stuff like this and that judges and juries don't toss it out immediately. You heard it, Devontae Adams. You heard it here. Don't settle, man. Fight don't. the good fight. Fight it. You got plenty of money. You got a lawyer on, on retainer. Just tell him to go to work. I, I looked it up. I think he's made like $85 million in his career. But with that new massive contract, he's. I think if he plays it all the way out, it's like 201 career earnings. Ooh. It's the principle. It's the, I know 50 grand or whatever. Is it a drop in the bucket? But it's the principle of the matter. I like it. I wonder if he'll take your advice. I'm sure he'll hear this. Probably no not. Doubt. His lawyer's going to be just pay this and be done with it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, just like, no, let's have this go away. All right. Episode 257 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday. For the love of God, I hope we're recapping and know you win. Yes. If we're not, prepare yourselves, people, because this, it will be an all-time low for the podcast. It, it might will. just, it might just be like you know, like the, like the rainbow lines, like whenever the TV goes out, the signal goes out. It may just yeah. be what it is. <laughs> that we could just forego the podcast. No, we wouldn't do that to you. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. And happy birthday, Mom. I love you. Yes, happy birthday. All right. We'll see you guys, Monday. Just one more time.